really been a master plan for me. Like I've, I've also never been hesitant to approach people on any level. And I think using your resources and uh, talking to people and just never being afraid of reaching out and asking, that's been sort of my mantra, if you will. And I think you'll never know if you don't ask. Welcome to the Female Entrepreneur Musician Podcast with Brie Noble. Brie is a musician, entrepreneur, speaker, and founder of Women of Substance Music Radio and Podcast. Brie's interviews with successful female musicians and industry pros are both inspirational and informational. She also answers your questions about the music business. Brie is on a mission to help you create great music, connect with your fans, and grow your business, and to truly become a female entrepreneur musician. Hey, this is Brie Noble. Thanks for tuning in to Female Entrepreneur Musician, where we talk about ways to make great music, connect with your audience, and grow your business. And I want to mention a special gift that I have for you that will help you grow your business. It's called 19 Proven Sources of Income That You Probably Haven't Considered for Your Music Business. You can find that free resource at femusician.com. That's F as in female, E as in entrepreneur, musician.com. And you can grab that and I hope it will really help you expand your business. I've also got some really exciting stuff at FE Musician under the training tab. So go check that out when you're over there. And maybe there's a webinar coming up that you can attend with some free training or some other resources that are going to help you with your business. So check that out, femusician.com slash training. I'm excited to get to our interview with Kate Todd. But first, I want to read our winning iTunes review for the week. And this reviewer will receive some merchandise from one of our artists. It says, love this much needed show. I wish I'd had this show when I was trying to have a career as a singer. Host Brie absolutely knows her stuff and shares it freely along with her guests. Love it. Signed, Maritza Para. Thanks so much, Maritza. If you can send me an email at brie at femusician.com, I will be sure to get your prizes to you. And now it's time to get to my interview with Kate Todd. Kate Todd is Canada's newest country music sweetheart. Kate's a genuine girl blessed with movie star looks delivering rockin' country music. She's already touched the hearts of millions by appearing on popular TV shows like Radio Free Roscoe and My Babysitter's a Vampire. Her sophomore album, Anywhere With You, will be released in May. So that's a little bit about Kate Todd. Kate, is there anything you'd like to share that's a little more personal that's not in your bio? Um, well, uh, I grew up in a small town north of Toronto and it was a farming community and my grandmother led the church choir and, uh, that's kind of where my love of music came and that's probably not in my bio, but that is certainly pretty instrumental in, you know, who I am today. Well, how did you get started? I know that you kind of started, did you start in acting first or music first or were they kind of hand in hand? Music always came first for me. And when I was growing up, I was always kind of an adventurer and a little bit of a dreamer. And I grew up in a small town, like I said, and lots of imagination. You know, I had to use my imagination a lot of the time um, to kind of entertain myself. So I returned home from an exchange program that I, I was in Spain for. And I was looking for another experience that I could kind of get into. And I had done some modeling a little bit in the past, and I was offered a contract from the Ford agency. But I kind of wondered if acting might be something I might try. 
but I was very shy. And so my parents, you know, they kind of were very supportive, obviously, but because I was so shy, it was something they maybe were a little surprised with, but, you know, ever supportive, they booked me an appointment with one of the top agencies in Toronto. And that lasted all of a few minutes before I was told that, um, they already had a roster full of young blonde haired girls and that I should come back when I've taken some acting lessons. So I followed his instructions, did what he said. And a year later I returned to the same agency and then I got signed. And by the time I got home, I already had gotten my first audition, which was for a lead role in a show called Radio Free Roscoe. And that show I went on to book and I played a singer songwriter when I was 13. And that was, yeah, that was kind of my first gig and it was uh, definitely changed my life. So can you tell me a little little bit about Radio Free Roscoe? I don't know that show and I wish, like what network is it on? And Yeah, so the Radio Free Roscoe was aired on Nickelodeon and Family Channel. So Family Channel's here in Canada, Nickelodeon is, uh, I guess, international for the most part. And it was a show where we played radio hosts of this underground station called Radio Free Roscoe. And I played Shady Lane, which was my alias. And my character's name is Lily. And she was a singer-songwriter. And I had no previous acting experience. And I walked in, knew how to play a couple chords on the guitar. And I think what they must have seen in me was I was, you know, this young girl and obviously um, had some natural ability on camera. And I really was just playing myself in that series because like I said, music came first and this role was very music influenced. And, uh, and then the acting, to be honest, I was just really just being myself because I had no experience prior to that. That's amazing that you got that with no experience. <laughs> Have you ever seen Radio Rebel? On Disney, because that sounds like the exact same um, premise as Radio Free Roscoe when I looked it up. And my kids have watched Radio Rebel about a hundred times. So you know what? I I haven't heard of it, but it definitely was a pretty influential show where a lot of it still to this day I'm recognized. I mean, everywhere I go, I I mean, you know, it's been a numerous amount of years that have gone by and and still people are tell me it's just was their favorite show and they're really excited when, when we get to meet, because I think it was so, it was so instrumental of them growing up. And a lot of them have gone into radio and broadcasting because of that show. So it's, it's just makes my, it gives me goosebumps whenever I hear that, because it just, it's just unbelievable that I was able to be a part of something like that. That's funny. Wow. Well, my daughter, my first daughter was born in 2003. So I think we missed the Radio Free Roscoe, (laughs) you know, train, but if she, if she would have been her age, you know, like when like seven or eight, when that came out, I'm sure she would have been watching it and she would definitely have recognized you. And she said that she did recognize you from My Babysitter is a Vampire, which you were also in, correct? Yes. <laughs> now, who who did you play in that? I played a character named Erica and she I thought so. Okay. Cause she's like, oh yeah, I recognize her. And she's the one that was something about trying to get her friend bit by the vampire or something, or <laughs> she was bitten by her boyfriend and Yes, my character was very sassy and very uh, mischievous, let's say. So she wanted to be a vampire. She was, you know, very book smart before, and then she turned into a vampire, and then now she just loves being a vampire. <laughs> so it's a lot of fun to play, you know, a character that just is relishing the fact that she can go around biting her boyfriends and taking people's things because she's she's just, she's very, you know, like playful, but but also slightly mean-spirited, but in a playful way. 
Yeah. My daughter was like, I think she was the mean girl, but don't tell her I said that. (laughs) (laughs) That's okay. That's okay. Erica and I are like playing Erica. I'm very different than her, but it also is a lot of fun and freeing because I get to have so much fun with her because she's just so, there's so much room for any kind of zaniness because the vampire aspect and the fact that she loves it. So I had a great time with that. That's cool. What was it like working for Disney? Uh, well, I mean, we shot four seasons in two years of Radio Free Roscoe, and that was an award-winning television series. And everyone on set was so great, from the producer to the writers and the cast and crew. As you know, when you work on a set for that long, they became they become family. So it was definitely long hours and hard work, but we had such a great time. And we did two cross-Canada promo tours, as well as a trip to New York. And working for Disney you know, it was an awesome experience. I was also given the opportunity to have my own original music on the shows that I was working on. I was wondering about that. So they, they allowed you to get some sync licensing there. And then did they help you at all in promoting your career? I mean, there's, they do that so much for people. You see like Bridget Mendler and all the people now that are coming off of Disney, all the people in the, uh, you know, high school musical and all that are, did they help you out with getting started in your singing career? Well, they did by, by way of me playing a character on their network that was a musician. So that to like, to this day, a lot of my followers are from those TV shows. So, you know, definitely was, a game changer for me and my career. And those people have continued to follow me throughout and grow with me. And that was very important to me was, you know, I have these, this audience that I'm fortunate to have, but I'm getting older. This audience is also getting older. And I wanted to make sure that I was, you know, I was growing and we were growing together. So I wasn't, you know, I, I was, making material that that was relevant to me at that time. And then therefore to my audience as well, because we were, were developing in the same way. So for me, you know, Disney channel gave me my start for sure. And I'm very fortunate for that. I love that idea of you're kind of growing up with your audience. Yeah. Yeah, it is true. And, and yeah, a lot of the people that I meet are now in university or college. And like I said, their radio program in school, the radio programs at their universities. And, and I had the pleasure of attending a university um, graduation ceremony for radio and TV programming. And just the amount of response that people came up to me and just said, you know, because of you, I'm here. And, and uh, this is why I want to do it. Cause I saw you on TV doing it. And it just, it's just crazy. So the songs that I write now are from my own experience and hopefully that'll connect with, with them as well and what they're going through as well. Wow. That's so cool to be an inspiration to people. I love that. So how did you kind of transition from your acting career into doing music more as a full-time thing? Yeah. So music was always a big part of my life from the beginning and it factored into a lot of the roles that I had. And the two media acting and music have always intertwined throughout my career. So I consider myself a full-time musician because I continue to study music at York University, which is a school here in Canada. And I teach music and songwriting. Awesome. So you're actually, you're learning and you're being able to bring in some income from music right now. Yeah, yes. And it's something I would, I want to study and I, I love music and it's always been a big part of my life. And it's, I always had been self-taught and I 
think that I, I got a, to a point in my life where I wanted to know more about it. So I went and auditioned for the music program at university and they foolishly let me in because I had <laughs> really though, I had no idea of theory. I wrote on my paper. I don't know, can learn it though. <laughs> <laughs> and, and, uh, but luckily for me, there was an in, in-person portion to the, uh, audition. So I played them the songs that I, that I wrote and that I sing around town. And we talked about why we love music. And I pretended to know what I was talking about with intervals when he asked me on the piano. And he's like, I know you, I know, you know it, but you don't know why you know what these answers are. And I'm like, no, I don't. I can just, I can just hear it. I, I don't know why I'm why this is why you know this is right or wrong and he goes well that's what we can teach you here so then i'm in school now so it was very cool yeah he's totally right i'm sure you can hear it but you don't know what it is or why or what the relationships are and that's what you're going to learn in all those years of music theory cuz i remember that yeah yeah cuz when i was on set with radio free roscoe it it uh i was in my trailer playing my guitar and just you know i'd also be near the craft truck outside in the summer playing my guitar and some electrics or grips or somebody would walk by and be like, Oh, you're playing that chord wrong. That this is how you play this chord. And I just kind of picked it up from these people kind of helping me out. And I made this knowledge of guitar on my own. So to have like a proper setting with all these musicians who are so talented and great, it's inspiring to me. And it's, I, I I'm really excited. That's that's really cool that you kind of picked it up from people teaching you on set. That's fun. Yeah. We have a lot of people on listening to this show that are kind of starting out as independent musicians and and learning and maybe getting frustrated along the way. And I'd love to hear about an experience or two that you had starting out where you felt frustrated or you felt like maybe you would you would just quit and and you know, you didn't really know how everything was going to shake out in the end and how you, what you learned from that and, you know, where you were able to go, what lessons you learned out of that experience. There's a lot there, but it, it always is, um, as an independent artist, it's always a struggle. Um, you have to believe it. You believe in yourself, you have to love it and you have to learn from each aspect of the business as you go. And I think that's been instrumental in building myself as as an artist and also an entrepreneur and self-employed person, because everybody that I, that I came into contact with taught me something about the business. So I, again, just like my guitar chords, I amassed this kind of way of working by learning from all these different people and quickly, because when you have a music contract in front of you and when you're being thrust into these business meetings and music business meetings, when you're like 17 and you have to conduct yourself like an artist, but you also have to conduct yourself like a business person. Um, it's just a lot to learn. This learning curve is very steep. But looking back, I may have, for myself, I may have paced myself a little better in the beginning because when you're young, you want everything to happen so fast. And I think I probably put myself out there before I was ready as a performer, and that may have closed a few doors for me. Mm, that's a, that's a good point. Mm -hmm. Sometimes you need a certain amount of maturity before you can really take advantage of opportunities that are, that are presented themselves to you. On the other hand, had you waited, you might not have gotten those opportunities. So it's hard to know what to do. Right. You know? Right. It's a fine, fine balance for sure. And no one can ever really say when the right time is. I think that's why they say timing is everything. 
<laughs> That's true. Well, is there anything that you know now that you wish you would have known when you started? Well, I think I think what I just said was the pacing aspect of it. For me, I I've always been very dedicated, you know, hard worker and a million th- doing a million things at once and I think I wanted everything to happen so quickly and I was so excited by everything, but but like I said, I think, you know, it it can close a few doors if you're not ready when those opportunities present themselves. So I I think that kind of answers those two questions as well. Right. Was there a mentor that you had along the way that kind of helped guide you in your career? Well, it would be hard to point out a single person because I've been really fortunate to meet so many creative people in music and the film industry and business as well. But uh, I've just drawn from all the talents that these people have, whether it's from the production side of things or the business or performance side of the business, kind of just drawn from from everybody that I've met. And uh, I never see anything as as um, a waste of time or a, a non-valuable experience because for me, I, I really thrive on watching people in their element and watching experts go. And I, I take pieces of what I think might work for me. And I kind of try to, you know, blend it into something that I can, I can use and, and, uh, it'd be hard for me to pick just one. So you were a sponge basically, <laughs> which is great. Yeah. Yeah. That's a good way of putting it. And I think my mom used to call me that too. I definitely take things in. I'm very, very much so, uh, in, you know, in awe of, of people that are in their element working. I just love seeing it. I love seeing passionate people about, what they do. And even if it's something I don't feel like I could do maybe exactly what they're doing, I might love this aspect of them when they're working and I go, Oh, that's, that's, that's cool. And, you know, maybe I could try to implement that for me. And, and I think that's, I think that's what everybody does maybe without even realizing it. What do you think makes you unique as an artist and how do you capitalize on that? Yeah, that's a hard one. I like to think of myself as unique, but in this business, it's always, who do you sound like or who do you look like? And at the same time, those people are looking for a person with a unique quality. So it's an interesting balance. But I think for me, I'm just still, after all you know, these years of being in the entertainment industry, and I've been fortunate to, to, um, you know, to work for this long, as long as I have. And I think for me, I'm just still Kate going out for auditions with no pretensions and what you see is what you get. I still get nervous. I still get, um, you know, excited. There's, there's a lot of things that still stay new, very new for me. And I, I think that's, that's interesting because I have been doing it for so long, but it, at the same time, it, it feels like I haven't as well. That's a good point. Cause I do kind of pigeonhole people sometimes. Cause when I'm promoting artists, sometimes I'll say, you know, if you love this person and this person, you're going to love this person. Mm-hmm. And that's just because I'm trying to draw a comparison to grab the fans of those other artists, you know, but then sometimes maybe it's not allowing for the uniqueness of, of the person that I'm comparing them to, but you know, you, somehow you have to find a balance between that because we do want to liken ourselves to people that we really respect. Mm -hmm. And, you know, and we, we always, I always look at people, you know, what are their influences, you know, on certain social media, you can put in, what are your influences and who do you think you sound like and stuff. And I think that's important, but it's also obviously important to make yourself unique from those people. Mm -hmm. Yeah. It's interesting. Every, 
people want to know who you sound like and who your influences are. But at the same time, you know, if you tell somebody this is who you want to sound like, they'll say, well, there's already, there's already that person. Right. <laughs> it's kind of like, it's a, it's a bit of a catch 22, I think. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So which, which is good at the same time. Cause when I'm teaching, for example, a lot of my students, I have them come in and sing a song that they don't know, or they haven't heard before because it tells me who, who are they, who are you emulating and, and when are you being you? And I think for me as an artist, that's been a big, that's been very important to me because I haven't really ever found like a, a box to put myself in. And, and I, I do appreciate the type of artist that I am now. And I, and I know who I am now, but for many years, and I think this is the ironing out process. It was, it was finding it. It was thinking you found it and then realizing you have it. And then thinking you've got it, thinking you haven't got it. And somebody saying you have got it. And it's it's this weird, um, self-discovery process. So for me, when I'm teaching, it's very important to get it, kind of get that right off the bat from my kids. And then we can kind of go with that. Definitely sounds like a good way of teaching people, not not boxing them in. And I have to mention, I did hear your Canadian in process. <laughs> oh, okay. <laughs> All right. There. So that's that's one of those buzzwords that you can tell someone's Canadian. <laughs> but other than that, you to me you sound like you're from California. <laughs> oh, okay. That's cool. <laughs> well, in my heart, in my heart, I'm surfing in California right now. <laughs> that's funny. So tell us about some, a mind blowing experience that you've had where you're kind of like, oh my gosh, pinch me. I can't believe this is me. And this is happening to me. Uh, well, I've randomly met so many cool people over the years. Twice I've had the uh, chance to encounter Mick Jagger and I've had the pleasure to be introduced to Seth MacFarlane, who, as you know, and I'm sure you know, is the creator of Family Guy. And I still consider him a really good friend. And that would never happen in the small community that I'm from. Now, I think I saw in your bio that you appeared on Family Guy. How did that happen? I played a character on Family Guy. I played um, Heidi Montag on an episode of Family Guy. Oh, really? <laughs> yeah. So that was that was kind of fun. And, and it was my first voiceover gig ever. So I was so fortunate. And I definitely realize how many horseshoes I must have had at that moment because, you know, it's just for it to be your first voice gig on a show like that, that was one of my favorite shows. It just was amazing. So it's a long story, but I, uh, it was a, a cool story. I was with an agency at the time and they told me that family guy contacted them and asked if I wanted some tickets for just for laughs in Montreal and people who don't know about the you know geography of Canada, Montreal and Toronto are not necessarily super close together. So it would take me too long to get there. And I, I had to decline, but I thought, why would they, why would they want to offer me tickets? It just seems so random. I'm just, you know, a Canadian actress. Like I was confused by it. Anyway, they called again and said, when is Kate Todd coming down to California? And I'm thinking, why do they care about when I'm coming down? But I, I finally, after maybe a year of, you know, a few of these type of things, I went to California, met up with the casting director, and I was waiting in a cafe, waiting for the casting director who was late. And it was supposed to be a woman. When this man came and slid into my booth and was like, I'm so sorry, I'm late, you know, so nice to meet you. And 
I was 19 at the time and I, you know, way too polite to ask why it was, why he was a man and I'm supposed to be meeting a woman and kind of just playing along with the conversation. So anyway, it turned out he, it was Seth MacFarlane and at the time I didn't know it. So I asked him, well, what do you do at Family Guy? And he's like, oh, you know, well, sometimes I write, sometimes I'm drawing, do the voices. I'm like, good for you. You know, you're all over. I didn't know. I didn't know at the time. So of course, you know, when I, when I realized when I went home and Googled and all that stuff, you know, completely embarrassed, but we had a great conversation and we bonded over Carl Sagan, who he is now doing a television series called Cosmos as, as you probably know. So it was just a crazy, you know, happening of events. And uh, now we're really good friends, but yeah, I mean, he, he must've thought it was just so funny that he didn't say to me, well, I'm Seth MacFarlane, like you should know. He was like, oh yeah, well, some days I do this and I'm like, good for you. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks for affirming me. Yeah. Oh, I'm goodness. the creator. <laughs> oh my goodness. That's yes. Wow. That's, that's a cool connection. Yeah. So tell us about your current projects. What do you have going on right now other than being a university student? <laughs> well, I just completed my sophomore album, Anywhere With You, and it's a collection of music I co-wrote with my manager, Peter Lindsman and a host of Nashville's most talented writers. So I was very excited because I had never been to Nashville and the experience was so surreal for me. And, uh, you know, getting to write with these these monster hit writers and I couldn't wait to get home and recreate that whole energy and vibe that we, we got down there, put them, you know, in these songs and put them on tape and whatnot but I think we really nailed it and I'm excited to share that release on uh, May 12th. Hopefully audiences that, you know, have maybe followed my, some of my music in the past, they'll discover this is like a little bit of a departure in my music in the, you know, form of more guitar driven country rock sound that, that hopefully people will, will dig and connect with. Oh, I can't wait. I, I'm sure Peter is already getting me a pre-release copy <laughs> so I can hear it because I definitely need to hear it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, he's great. Awesome. So are you going to be like doing any touring to promote the album maybe in the summer? In May, we have some ra- uh, radio promo tour set up for Western Canada and also we'll we'll tour around some stations in Ontario. So right now it's just going to you know be an acoustic radio tour, but get to meet some great radio folk and hopefully, you know, get to play the song live on, on air and, and hopefully they'll spin the track and we'll promote it that way. Just pretty, you know, grassroots approach right now. And awesome. What about California? Are you <laughs> going to be exploiting any of your U S contacts? <laughs> I might have to, I definitely uh, have lots of friends down there and always love going to California. So I played the mint club in Los Angeles in the past. And, uh, that was a big thrill for me. That's cool. I have never been to the Mint. I've been to some of the other big venues down there, Hotel Cafe and House of Blues and all that, but never been to the Mint. Right. Have you you've you've heard of the Mint though? Oh yeah. Yeah, so they I was contacted to play that venue and it was kind of when I was starting just starting out performing. So for me it was, you know, years ago. I mean, it was a huge thrill and and since then I've been able to play it twice and uh yeah, it's always they're always really kind to me and it was, you know, to be able to play the Mint Club in Los Angeles when when you're just starting out performing, it's like a dream and also extremely terrifying at the same time. <laughs> <laughs> for, for sure. <laughs> so can you tell me about 
your streams of income, I mean, I know now you're in school, but do you have money coming in from music right now from, you know, obviously shows that you're doing, um, album sales, maybe some sync licensing or, you know, things that are still maybe airing on TV that, that are bringing in income? Mm-hmm. Income streams. What, what is that? <laughs> No, um, no, but this project, like my album has definitely been a labor of love and we have some ideas to explore as well as far as sync licensing goes, but E1 Entertainment, which is the world's largest independent label has committed to distributing my music and Gibson Guitars, Harley Davidson were, were really important and instrumental in having me shoot my music video for, for the title track off of my album, which is Anywhere With You. But yeah, I, I do, I am taking courses in university. And, and like I said, I teach music and acting and my acting students are quite involved in film and TV. A lot of them have agents. A lot of them are working on auditions and films and whatnot. So I'm able to supplement my income teaching something I love and definitely feel really grateful for that. That's, that's awesome. I mean, I think that's all we can hope for as musicians to be able to somehow be involved in music and be able to create an income out of that. Even if it's maybe not selling your own music, if you can just be involved in helping others in music, like I'm doing right now, you know, I'm not out there selling my music anymore, Mm -hmm. but I love what I do because I'm able to work in music and, you know, have a career that I love. Yes. Yeah. And then you get to you know, host cool opportunities like this for other musicians as well. So thank you so much for having me on your program. Oh, of course, of course. Yes. And about your music video, when does that come out? Because I definitely want to put that on our, our video blog. <laughs> oh, cool. Yes, it is out already, actually. I just... It is? Oh my gosh, you got to send it to yes, me. Yes, I will. I just launched it just a couple of days ago. So we uh, we literally shot that in two days and was edited in a day and a half and we put it up oh there. And yeah, it was pretty It was pretty fast and the people working on it were really excited. So I was, I was really fortunate because without them, I definitely wouldn't have been able to have it this quickly or even have it at all. Wow. Awesome. Well, I can't wait to see it. Do you have any tools that you've used in your career that you would, you know, say really helped with your success? Like, for example, social media or, you know, your manager, um, other agencies, certain skill sets, other online tools? Hmm. There's never really been a master plan for me. Like, I've, I've also never been hesitant to approach people on any level. And I think, using your resources and uh, talking to people and just never being afraid of reaching out and asking. That's been sort of my mantra, if you will. And I think you'll never know if you don't ask. And for me, that those interpersonal relationships have been really instrumental for me moving forward. And, um, you know, I, I also love a lot of the people that I work with. A lot of them are my really good friends and I look up to them. So on, aside from a business point of view, these are people that I, I feel grateful to know as a friend as well. So I always approached it from that, from that level and anything that came from it, it was just, you know, kind of luck or, or karma or chance or whatever that's kind of carried me along. So for you, interpersonal networking has really kind of been your, your thing. I think so. Yeah. And just, and, you know, keeping things in perspective and no expectations. Like I, I talk to people, like, for example, if you go to an industry event and everyone knows how those go, but I, I just never really, I never really, um, had expectations when I was talking to people. 
I think I, I wanted to get to know them as a person. And if it was a byproduct where something came out of it, then that was just, you know, surprising and great rather than trying to get that and then learning about them after. I just, I like to connect pe- with people or try on a personal level because I find that more interesting and easier and and more friendlier or welcoming. And I enjoy it more than, than going, I have to talk to this person because, you know, they directed this film. I just never really was good at that. And it feels wrong to me. So I think it is wrong. I mean, I think you're so right. I think networking for the sake of networking, there's no point in that because it's not genuine. It's not authentic. You know, you want to get to know people. And then later on down the line, you may think of ways that you can collaborate with those people, Mm -hmm. but it's not because they're going to benefit you. It's because you love hanging out with them. Right. And I've had connections where you meet them and you don't, you know, you get to know them at a party, you exchange some words and very nice to meet you and off you go. And then 10 years down the road, it's, oh, remember when we met and now we're working on this? Like it, it never really often works when you go straight at it. It's just nice to make the the acquaintance with somebody and then karma or or the universe will bring you guys together if it's meant to be and you have that story. And that's kind of how I see it. If it's meant to happen, you put yourself out there and just relax and let it go. I like that. I like that approach. So since you're in school, maybe you have a good answer for this, but is there any particular book that you would recommend as a resource for people that are working on their music career or or their music writing or personal development? Well, Ray, I appreciate you keep saying I'm in school. You're making me sound very scholarly, but I only take, ah. I only take one course per semester, so I can't. <laughs> I'm not the best, uh, most diligent student at this time. Although I will, I will have to. Um, slightly. I do like school. I'm a bit, I'm a bit of a school nerd. I, it does come in the subjects that I'm good at. I, I did uh, get inducted into the International Honor Society, the Golden Key International Honor Society, and uh, for being top 15% in my class, but which is very exciting for me because it's school is important to me. So, but I'm just saying, I don't take, I, I don't go to school that religiously at the moment. I take one, place. <laughs> I, I slide it in there. So the question about the books, I, I do love reading. And when I, when I can, I, I try to read as much as I can, but for me, I really enjoyed the book, the will to win by Robert Herjavec. Okay. I haven't heard of that. Yeah. He's, he's on the dragon's den. Okay. Yeah. Okay. And, uh, will you take me as I am by Joni Mitchell? Oh, okay. It's a bit more of a biography of her, but for me starting out in music and performing in front of people, I had stage fright and it was something that I didn't know, you know, I wasn't sure if that was okay. I wondered why I had stage fright. If I loved playing music, maybe it's not for me, but I then read a lot of biographies of very famous musicians that had stage fright and lots of problems with their nerves before performing and thought performing on stage in front of a bunch of people and being celebrated this way on this high pillar was kind of odd. And I always kind of felt that way as well. And I didn't know why, and I didn't know it was okay or, or other people felt it too. I just felt they were great and that's what they love doing and they love being up there, but not everybody does. And, uh, and you know, it helped me get over my nerves and my apprehension and made me accept it. So I always, you know, look back on those books and, and kind of thank them for showing me that it was okay. Mm, thanks. That's a great resource. I know that, that some of our artists love music, but they feel a little 
uncomfortable on stage. So that's good to know. I think I was watching a documentary of Joan Baez and she had kind of the same thing. Yeah. Where she was super, super shy. Yeah, it's interesting. It is interesting. I, I think I, I used to think it was kind of wrong because a lot of my friends in music are the type, you know, the look at me type and they're so energetic and larger than life anywhere they go and they just love can't wait to get up on stage. And I just remember looking at them and just thinking, like, I'm very confident outgoing, but it's a different level. And I just remember thinking, I, I'm not like that. And I wonder if that's, if that is not okay, you know? And, mm. and like you said, and all these other people have the same experiences. So it kind of allowed me when I was 17 or 16, whenever I started to accept myself and, and then it kind of diffused it. That's awesome. Well, thanks a lot for that resource. We are, believe it or not, getting to the end of our time, but I want to give you a chance to let people know how to get in touch with you, where they can find your new record when it's coming out, as as we will air this right after it comes out. So oh, cool. they'll be ready to go find it. <laughs> awesome. Thanks. Well, you can find me at katetodd.com and also itunes.com slash katetodd. Um, I'm on Twitter as well. My Twitter handle is just Kate Todd and Facebook. I have a fan page or, you know, a, a, a page on there and you can like and stay connected and uh, hopefully get, uh, you know, get the album when it comes out. That'd be awesome. Sounds great. Well, thank you so much for spending time with me. Thank you for putting up with technology issues. <laughs> it's always, <laughs> it's always a challenge when you do these interviews and you're in Canada and I'm in California, but it's, it's just so cool that we can connect that way Yes, with the technology of these days, you know, otherwise you're just stuck with the people that are around you. Yeah. Getting to reach out and yeah, it's very, it's cool to think just how, how far away we are and how clear I can hear you now. <laughs> yes. <laughs> And uh, yes, it's it's very cool. I, yeah, awesome. Well, thanks a lot for being on, and I thank Peter for connecting us. And it's been it's been great having you and all your insight. No, thank you so much, Bree. Thanks for having me. And uh, yeah, it was a lot of fun. Great, great questions. Thanks for some uh, different questions and and more business side and entrepreneurial side of of the interview. And it was refreshing for me. So thank you. You're welcome. Now go out and make great music, connect with your fans, and grow your business. Female Entrepreneur Musician has been brought to you by femusician.com and femalemusicianacademy.com with editing by Bree Noble and music by Stella Ronson. Stella Ronson